everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Advantage. I'm here with my pal, Zach Buckler. Zach is my go-to pro on like the cutting edge of not just Facebook ad strategy, but really like the entire online world. Because Zach is probably the most genius person I know who just has like a gut of where things are heading in this space. Zach, you are so good at so many things in this corner of like the internet business world. I know that among other things, you're pretty well known for like helping people with Facebook ads. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about why you chose Facebook ads specifically out of all of the different ways that you could help business owners right now? It all, it really started about uh, six, seven years ago. I had another completely unrelated website blog and we were doing webinars to get people into our business. And I found that a lot of people were kind of asking me like, well, how are you growing your blog? And how are you doing this? And how are you doing that? And what I found is that Facebook ads have always just been really fascinating to me. I love the concept of using data and numbers and just analyzing what's working. The thing about Facebook ads is they're this really emotional topic for a lot of people because it's like there's fear of losing money or what if it goes right? What if it goes wrong, right? And what I quickly found is that I got a lot of joy out of like, how clinical they are, believe mm. it or not. You can be upset about spending the money or you can be like excited about spending the money. But at the end of the day, it's all just numbers and you just get to interpret those numbers and figure out what they mean. So when I'm working with clients or I'm working, you know, on my own business, I, it's like Facebook ads give you this roadmap to tell you what is and isn't working. It can be mm. content that isn't getting engagement. It can be lead generation that's not converting. It can be purchase conversions that aren't converting. But at the end of the day, you can always go look at the numbers and be like, here is the breakdown. And that's what I personally really geek out on. It's like, let's remove the emotion from things and just look at the hard facts. And uh, Facebook ads really let you do that if you can get past the fear of spending. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're right. I mean, there's so much emotion that we can just very easily attach to. Oh, that piece of content went well or felt like it was good or it resonated yeah. or whatever. And then seeing, okay, well, actually, this is what people do. And one thing that I've noticed is that it always seems like the content that I either didn't spend that much time or thought on, or was just like, oh, that was a one take thing with the cat walking behind me that somehow I like, gets the traction. Yeah. And you know, the, the funny thing about that is we find that a lot too, that like the stuff that we put a lot of time and energy into doesn't always convert the best. And I will say sometimes the stuff that we put a lot of time and energy into does crush it. But I would say that's like the minority of the time. We kind of, uh, myself and my team kind of have this theory that's like, sometimes we get so in the production process, we get so caught up on making it perfect that we don't make it human. Mm. And we just are like, this has to go out tomorrow. I don't have time. It ends up being a lot more authentic, a lot more in your voice. There's not time to edit and review it and go over it and check it a million times and change it and tweak it. 
And so that, you know, we find that too. We had um, a big launch campaign we did where I had like one ad that I like pulled for my last campaign. We'd spent so much time on it. And then I threw something together in Canva, wrote an ad for another one in like 15 minutes. And that one converted better than anything. And I was like, oh man, what a bummer. <laughs> but it's good because you know that there is something to be said for like not getting overly attached yeah. before you have the data. So a lot of people get attached to an idea or, or uh, an ad. I have a client who I love working with because we, you can now run reels ads on Instagram. You can advertise. Oh, cool. cool. Um, I don't know if everybody has it yet, but I know it's rolling out. And she was like, I want to try it. I want to try it. And I was like, I don't know if it's going to work. And we spent a couple hundred bucks, terrible click through rate, terrible engagement. Cause mm -hmm. people aren't used to seeing ads there. That's kind of what we figured would happen. Mm -hmm. She was like, cool, no worries. Pull it. Let's put the money where it's working and move on. That is how you have to operate with this stuff is you just have to be willing to say like, Hey, not working is working great. Not great. doesn't mean anything just means that's what the data is showing you. So all of that to say that, yes, the stuff you do last minute tends to work really well. And then <laughs> time on these reels and uh, they, they just kind of fell flat. <laughs> mm. But that's, but I, I love this conversation about knowing the numbers, being willing to test things. And one of the reasons why I'm really excited to have you on is because I think a lot of people are hearing that Facebook ads are either like the answer or that like, yeah. Or that they're not the answer right now for reasons that maybe we can tackle later. Um, but there can be this real lack of trust, especially with business owners who feel like they've paid a lot for someone in the past who just didn't yeah. deliver. And I know that something that a lot of business coaches are saying right now is, especially with something like Facebook ads, be willing to learn enough yourself so that you can help get a sense oh, yeah. of the people that you're investing in are doing their job or not. That being said, I've talked to a lot of my friends who it can feel really difficult when you start working with any type of an ads agency or even an ads course. And yeah. you're wanting to be smart, you're wanting to get your money's worth, but you keep being told, like, we have to run tests, we have to see what's happening. Yeah. Can you talk at all to that that balance of ballpark best practices of yeah. how willing you should be to just invest for testing purposes, getting the data versus seeing that ROI? So what I always tell people is, look, you, you do need to learn the fundamentals and you need to find a teacher that you trust. And total shameless plug, one of the reasons that we <laughs> created one of our offers is it's a $37, two and a half hour workshop on how to run Facebook ads. Awesome. The reason we did that is a couple of things. One, we are looking for accessibility to our marketplace. We found exactly what you're finding, which is a lot of people, they want to learn, but then they're like, Oh, but I've got to invest like 997 into learning the fundamentals. And then I don't have money left for advertising or right. rest because I'm like trying to make that money back. And so we thought, what if it was just the cost of like a really nice hardcover book to learn the basics? Second thing is we find most people that buy these Facebook ad courses, like the really robust ones. And again, I've taken $2,000 ad courses and love them. I'm not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with them, but I also didn't take them three months into my business, right? right? So the second thing is a lot of people, there's a lot of content to digest and they get really overwhelmed. And so you never get through the course. So you basically right. make this big investment that your business isn't necessarily ready for. And then you can't even get through the content because it's so advanced or there's so much of it. And so my thing is like, the third thing is we find that there's more learning and action and mastery through action. You can take as many Facebook ads, courses, books, trainings, videos, YouTube videos as you want, but if you don't get in there and start running the ads, you're just, nothing's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that because that applies to every area of our business. What I tell people is, look, what you need to do is find a, a teacher that you trust 
And whether they have free content, paid content, just start digesting content around Facebook advertising. Once you've done that, start playing around. And the nice thing about Facebook is if you understand the basics, you're not going to lose your shirt. Okay. Mm. Like you have to be willing to lose a little, I'm not going to lie here, Mm. but it's like, we think of Facebook ads as money down the drain a lot of the time when they don't work. And what I tell people is, look, we've all bought a course that we've maybe gone through the first module and or never opened. And yet somehow we've convinced ourselves that because it's training, it's investment in our business. Right. That's fine. But I would argue that running Facebook ads is just an investment in your data. So if you spend a hundred bucks and nobody opts into your freebie, like that's an indicator that, you know, we can get into the logistics of how to break that down, but that's probably an indicator that people don't want that freebie. Right. I work with people all the time and I hope nobody takes this personally. They do like the five tips for weight loss or five healthy eating recipes. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not absurdly appealing. I can go Google Hmm. that. Right. right. When you're getting started, you don't know that. So I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't have like a five tips to God when I started, but I wouldn't promote that now. And I only know that because I tried to push it out there and it didn't get reception from my audience. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing that, you know, if you're willing to spend money on a course that you never finish, you should be willing to spend money on some advertising that's going to give you that data right away. And again, I'm not talking crazy money. I tell people, look, you got two, three hundred bucks a month to start. That's a great place mm-hmm. to start. And if you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, what does a client cost? Like, what does a client look like, right? Right. So if you get one new client as a byproduct of your advertising, is it worth it? And early on, breaking even or losing a little money for the sake of growth of your business is not a bad thing. Right. We, right now, we're spending probably $10, $15 a day just promoting some Instagram posts. Don't get, doesn't get us followers. It's part of a longer term strategy. But guess what? We're seeing what content is getting more and better engagement. And so not just are we growing our Instagram audience, we're also saying, here's the content that our Instagram audience cares about. You know, I think that that kind of stuff, especially when you're getting started and you have a limited organic audience, you can't do that, right? Like we've all been there where you put out a post and you get two likes, one's your mom and one's your brother. And you're like, oh man, I don't know if this is any good. So this lets you push your content beyond the reach of what you already have and start getting really positive um, feedback. And I don't mean positive in the sense of like, people are going to be really positive because people can be terrible on the internet, Sure. Um, but positive in the sense that it's going to help guide you in the right direction. I love this. You know, it's interesting because we recently kind of redoubled down on our ad spend. And I had a really interesting conversation with my marketing lead because I was like, I'm all for this, but help me understand the data because I'm not necessarily seeing within Facebook us having a really high ROI that we're running right now. And she was like, Joey, I don't necessarily know the numbers to show you, but when we turn Facebook ads off, we're organically getting fewer people reaching out. And it, it really opened my team's eyes to this harder to calculate math that your visibility does explode regardless of like conversion metrics when you use ads. Can you speak to that at all and and any measurables that you found to help see, okay, if that's... Yeah, so I love this. What we have found as well is that when we have our ads running, we make more money. Pretty point blank does like... And I think the reality of that is that anytime you have ads on, you're garnering new visibility. Mm. And you you kind of touched on that. It's like whether you're running ads to get more people to follow you on Instagram to grow your email list, to promote a product. At the end of the day, 
more people are seeing your content, which means you're going to make more money. Now, to be clear, I'm not necessarily saying more profit, though we generally see that with people who are advertising with a strategy. But anytime you have more visibility, you're going to reach more people, right? You're yeah. going to engage with more people. You're going to connect with more people. So what I like to think of is like how or, or what am I doing to grow my business? And what are the trends in the industry telling me that I should be doing? For us, one of the big trends that we've noticed in the industry in recent launches, whether it be for ourselves or for clients, is that a majority of sales come from warm audiences. In the past, you know, even two years ago, you could just be like, I'm going to do a webinar and I'm going to run it to people who like Joey and they're, I'm going to talk about legal stuff and they're going to buy right. it. Again. And that, we don't, it doesn't really happen quite like that anymore. Hmm. It's not that it can't happen. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's like, you just want to keep in mind, how are you actually going to be growing? So for hmm. us, if we're finding that our warm audience is the most engaged, what we've done from our advertising strategy, because we're not launching anything, a couple of low ticket products, which I'll talk about. But what we've said is how do we grow our warm audience? So we're growing our email list and we're growing our Instagram engagement. And that is our big play for the next few weeks um, until we have another big project that we release publicly. And then we say, okay, hey, you know, we've got this big warm audience. Now we can put stuff in front of them again because we mm -hmm. have engaged with us on Instagram or they're on our email list or they've visited our website. And we do find, you know, we've, we kind of analyze this, that we get more organic traffic from Google, from Facebook, from everything when we're advertising. And that also, you know, and this is a little geeky, but it also grows your audiences for advertising. So mm -hmm. this is like a little nerdy, but you can actually build audiences in Facebook, which is just who you're running the ads to based on what they've already interacted with your brand. So people who've been to your website, people who follow you on Instagram, that kind of thing. And if you can grow those audiences, then you can actually advertise to the warmest subset of your audience. All of this to say, I think it's really important that you don't just say, well, I'm going to spend money or I'm going to grow my email list or I'm going to do a launch. It's more important to say, what are the trends happening in my industry? What are the trends happening in my business that indicates that some things need to shift? And so mm. for us, like we really pulled back on content over the last year. We didn't do a lot of content. Maybe like in the last eight months, we've done like four podcasts and a couple of blog posts. We don't do a lot of content. Um, we weren't even consistent on Instagram. We were focusing on advertising, low ticket, back end, and that's what we did. And what we noticed is that the people who are like, when is the podcast coming back? When are you going to release new content? Like those are the people that like, right? Yeah. So it behooves us to pay attention to what's happening. And if we know that, then we can say, okay, what steps do we need to take to build more of that audience with advertising? I don't remember the original question, but what You're I want doing to great. Here is, is basically like, don't just fall into what you think is the popular advertising trend, fall into what advertising should be doing for your business as a whole. And what you were saying is that anytime you're visible, you're increasing your reach. If you're increasing your reach and making offers, you're going to generate revenue. Nice. Now, speaking of that, I feel like there's, at least in my head, these two kind of categories of ads of the, you know, how is the lead gen funnel going? And then what are just pieces of content that we're working on organically that if they seem to go well, we can boost either, you know, with just the boost button or go more behind the scenes and run an engagement ad on it or something. Yeah. What, what's a quick status update on that boost button? I know initially yeah. ads people this. said, don't touch it, do the extra work behind the scenes. Is it yeah. getting better? It's not really getting better in the sense okay. of, does it work? It's getting better in the sense of if you know what you're doing, you can make more robust changes from the boost button. So now mm -hmm. you can like do age demographics and target demographics. My thing is like, look, 
Anytime <laughs> Facebook is making it super easy to pay them, that should be a red flag. Um, if you can click a button and spend money and like, this is what I tell people like who are still like, I think it could still be beneficial. Is like, if you, if you really believe that you can click one button and make money mm. and it's going to work, why isn't everyone doing it? Why aren't all the experts out there saying, just hit the boost button and you'll make more money. Just put an offer out there and boost it and it's going to work. Right. Cause yeah. it doesn't work. What it does do to counter argue that is it does increase visibility. Right. So if you're trying to reach new people or you're trying to get in front of your own audience, it does increase your visibility, which can be a positive thing. Um, but you just have to keep in mind that you're going to get a more robust, you know, your dollar is going to go further if you do things um, from the back end of Facebook. Okay, great. And and I know speaking of just like what people are, are saying, what are experts telling people not to do or to do, something that we're seeing a lot with our clients who are focused on something like YouTube or TikTok or Instagram Reels yeah. is like creating a bunch of content consistently. Yes. And obviously that's a strategy that, that can work. I know that you're also a big fan of like doing business your way and there are no rules yeah. <laughs> and do less if less works. Yeah. Is it the case that like the brand that puts out the most content wins or maximizes what's happening or like can brands feel good about putting out less yeah, content? this is a really good question. I think you can put out less content. I think where we're going is that it's the quality and consistency of the content, not the quantity and the, yeah, not the quantity of the content. What I mean by that is like, I know people who post three times a week on Instagram and crush it. Mm. Right? I know people that post 10 times a week on Instagram and crush it. I have a friend who posts 10 to 20 stories a day and she's doing great. She got a book deal and she's killing it. Awesome. Um, what's more important and what I've always been told by my peers and mentors is that it's more important to be consistent than it is to have high quality. So if you're going to post twice a week, just keep posting twice a week. If you're going to do a reel a day, do a reel a day. What I have always found and the reason I've never been consistent with content is that I get bored and I burn out on content. If yeah. it's not planned. So what we do with my uh, team now, whether it be for our products or for our podcast, we actually have quarterly planning sessions. So that I'm not going into the quarter blindly trying to figure out what I'm going to create. We have sessions where we actually determine what we're going to build. And then just to tie it into advertising, it's like, where do we need to amplify? Mm. Right? So ads amplify what is and isn't working. And so we just look at what's going to work well this quarter and how do we amplify that? I love that. And speaking of bringing this back to ads, another big thing that I'm hearing right now from my marketing expert friends is the the power of not just organic marketing but like community driven engagement yeah. engaging on other stuff trying to get people to engage with your stuff are there any best practices slash like good practices that you're seeing of what can you do like if i were to put an hour on my calendar every day for like engage with people on instagram facebook linkedin wherever yep are there things that I can be doing during that time that would just really blend well with a paid advertising strategy? Yeah, so we're doing two things. One is we're playing with, it's called the $1.80 strategy. Mm. Let's see if, if, if there's a there's a great website that's got a plugin for it. Yeah, it's just $1.80.com fully spelled out. And basically it is how, it's it, it was introduced by Gary Vee several years ago. And the idea is that you give somebody your two cents 90 times a day on Instagram. I think it's a little intense, to be honest. It takes a couple hours a day to do it. It does work well. What we've started doing is we run engagement ads on Instagram, and then we check who's engaging with us and engage with them. 
Mm, so smart. what we've done previously, even with the dollar 80 strategy is you have to go find people to engage with. Well, at five bucks a day, people come to us and we can filter through who to engage with. We, I, we should be doing a better job. We just, I just moved. So I haven't been doing it as much as I should be cross country in three days. will take a little bit of life out of it. But what we do is we basically say like, who's engaging with us and how do we engage back with them? So do we leave a comment? Does it make sense to follow them? Do we like their stuff? And we actually kind of screen who we want to engage with, right? So I'm not saying go out there and follow someone for the sake of following them to get the follow back. That's not a good game plan, mm. but it is worth going and leaving a comment if somebody's a perfect ideal client. And if you want to get really intense, this takes me back to my MLM days, but this is what we <laughs> do. Anytime somebody was a quality prospect, you put them on a spreadsheet. And then it's a little clinical, I won't lie, but you know, if you engage with somebody every day for a couple of weeks, they start to remember who you are. Yeah. So if somebody's like a really perfect ideal client, connection, candidate for something, you can just engage with them on a regular basis, get your spreadsheet, add the dates to it, check in with them. And then you don't have to be running ads all the time. But to me, what complements the advertising is engaging with the quality prospects that come through. I love that idea. And I, I think that when we hear experts and things say like, if you want more money, make more offers. Yeah. Like that is a great way to do it. And one thing that I know my team and I have struggled with is what is that balance between having content that is more lead conversion yeah. focused versus not. And I think that something that we learned is that we had to catch ourselves in not really asking for someone to become a lead or asking that, that they want to hop on a call or whatever, just because we didn't want to scare people away. But at the end of the day, like that's part of the strategy too, is getting people to say no so that you can have enough people saying yes. Yep. I, I say this because I'm thinking back now to there were times when we felt for whatever reason, Facebook, for example, like ads that were running directly to book a call with us weren't working as well or whatever. So we started putting more and more freebies between when someone actually became a lead yep. and them being a cold or even warm audience member. If people are starting to realize that a part of their marketing strategy is broken because of like a fear of selling mm. at the marketing level, can you speak to that at all and how to how to get over that fear without coming across to people as every piece of content is <laughs> sign up for X? Well, here's the thing. So realistically, I think there's there's two things that we have to evaluate. One is that we're a business, right? Yeah. So generally, people aren't anticipating that you're like a nonprofit giving everything away organization. There's always one who's going to be like, you're crazy. Why are you charging that? You're a terrible person, whatever, right? There's yeah. always that one person. We can talk about that too. Um, but that's the first thing is just identifying that you are a business. You know, it's funny, like the IRS, this, this is super random, but the IRS actually, if you don't make money in your business after a few years, I don't know the actual cutoff. It's either like three or four, but if you continue to not make money, they'll actually label as you a hot as you, you label you mm. as a hobby and stop giving you okay. like the tax breaks that you get for being a business. Wow. Right? So just something to think about is like, what does that have to do with this? Well, the reality is if you continue to operate like a hobby, everyone will see you as a hobby. Mm. If you're a business, you have to offer stuff. You have to make sales. You have to generate revenue. So if you're like, I'm doing this as a hobby, cool, whatever. Have a fear of selling, you know, be really passive, make it easy, right? Not everybody. And this is like super controversial in our space, but not everybody is meant to do this 40 hours a week 
as a full-time entrepreneur with a team of yeah. people, you know, some people are cool making an extra two, two, three thousand dollars a month, really easily, really passively, no webinars, no challenges, a couple emails here and there. And that's okay too. Right. Yeah, so just point. kind of evaluate like where you're at with your business, right? That's mm. the first thing. Second thing is you have to realize that you're not forcing people to buy from you. Yeah. Right. If you feel like you're forcing people or you're overly persuading or you're trying to convince, that's where that's where it like starts to feel icky, right? Sure. So my thing is like what you have to do is, and, and this is something that we're working on in our business is how we message and position this. It's like you don't have to be a salesperson all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you can be a leader. Sometimes you can be a service. Sometimes you can be you know, a container for support. And sometimes you do make an offer. But what I've always like, what has worked ridiculously well for us is that I've never, when I have felt good selling, I have never been in a position to say, well, if you don't do this, like it's A or B, you're broke or you're with me. Right? Uh, and yeah. for me, that is what helped remove a lot of that fear of selling because I would think my fear of selling doesn't come from my experience of selling, it comes from my experience of experiencing someone selling. Yeah. So if that's what's happening, if you're like, hey, what's going on is that I'm just not feeling good about my sales process, that's probably where it's coming from. So get super clear on what doesn't feel good when it comes to selling. Like, is it asking for money? Is it asking for the sale? Is it putting the offer out there? Is it sending the email? You know, I, when I had a, I had a food blog years and years ago and this, I know that you're like, where's that happening with anything? But we, we used to um, use MailChimp and we would send it out. And it always killed me because if you guys have ever used MailChimp, there's this little animation when you go to send an email of like mm. somebody about to push a big red button and his like palms are sweating. I'm like, what a terrible, subtle indoctrination about how terrifying email is. But mm. here on there, that is how I felt for like the first months sending emails. What if there's a typo? What if I link to something broken? What if I link to something random? What if right. I was shopping for a book and I accidentally copied the book link and I put it inside the email and now people are going to think I'm crazy for like reading some sort of marketing book. Like now they think they're being marketed to crazy thoughts, right? Doesn't yeah. help that I have like minor anxiety, but this is what would go through my head around sure. an email. What I will say is that what you've got to get crystal clear on is what doesn't feel good and how can you make it better? So for mm. me, what has always felt really good is just saying, Hey, I've given you th this information. You can absolutely go do this on your own. Will it be a little more challenging? Probably. If you want like shortcuts, you want a little extra support, you want templates, trainings, walkthroughs, coaching, we could totally work together. But if that doesn't make sense for you right now, no big deal. I also gave myself permission, like as a salesperson, because I do sales calls for our agency to say, hey, you know what? This person's not a good fit. I'm just going to say no. Hey, mm -hmm. if you're interested in working together, this probably isn't a great fit. Um, if you send me some details about what is like what you're really looking for, I can forward it to a couple of colleagues. I can send it to people getting started, people more advanced. That felt really good too, to be able to say no. I think where a lot of people fear yeah. selling is that we, as entrepreneurs, have our livelihood tied up in our ability to sell. Yeah. Yep. And so we judge ourselves and make things high pressure or desperate or important or vital. When at the end of the day, like, I think my, my lock screen on my phone just says, you know, you'll figure it out like you always have. I put that on when I started moving because buying and selling a house at the same time is crazy. But yeah. I, that is really a mantra that I like to, to kind of operate by now that, that I, I think about is like, look, you're going to figure it out. If, you're, if your membership tanks, you'll figure it out. You know, I, there's, I can't remember who it was, but there's a really famous comedian maybe who said, look, 
you know, no matter what happened, I could always go bust a table. Did I want to bust tables? Did I plan to bust tables? Was it my grand vision to be busting tables in my 30s? Not really, but I always knew I could. Yeah. And I think as entrepreneurs, we've created this vilification of having a regular job that like we don't even think that's an option anymore. But like it always so is, true. right? So you true. Always have a safety net and there is nothing wrong with having to use it, right? And I've pivoted my business. I've pivoted my business so many times and thought, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work? You know, I, I used to teach live streaming, then I taught advertising, then I taught challenges. Now I'm doing a lot more with advertising and we've scaled back our agency clients and we're, we're swapping our entire um, model in a few months. And it's like, that's just gonna happen. That's just the nature of being in business. And it's always gonna be a risk. The original question was like the fear of selling. It's like, you've just got to get to this point where you realize like, you can live in that fear or you can be like, yeah, I'm just going to make this work for me. And if it works great and if it doesn't, no big deal. And and you just keep moving. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said too about like, you don't create situations where someone's either like with you or broke. Yep. I love that there's that option and, and there are different ways to think about what it means. You know, I was talking with my team just this week about, okay, what can we be doing to be of service and get more? Cause we want to help people. What can we do to, to get more people uh, on the call with our team so that we can help protect more brands. And someone who helps with Instagram was like, what if we messaged everybody who is a new follower and just said, Hey, would you want to grab a free call with us? And at first I was like, Oh, <laughs> I've never really seen someone do something like that. And, or I've seen coaches who are just like, Hey, thanks for the follow. Are you interested in buying whatever? But my team and I talked about it and they're like, well, there's a reason people are following a lawyer. <laughs> and right. it's a it's a very natural next step for us to be like, hey, would you like to have a free call with us and just see how we might be able to help you? And if they say yes, great. If they say no, that doesn't mean anything other than they're not ready or willing to hop on a, a free call with us. Yep. Like it, it doesn't ruin the relationship right up front or whatever. Yeah. And I think you, you're touching on something so important, which is that nothing that somebody else says is a judgment on you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it is, but generally people don't care. Ugh. People are so wrapped up in their own life. They're not like, oh, I can't work with Joey because Joey's the worst. They're like, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I'm too yes. I don't know if I'm ready. It has nothing to do with you. Right. I mean, there are times where it does. Like if you're crappy and annoying and people don't want to work with you, probably something to investigate. But when you get a no, that's just the nature of doing business, right? Especially in the online world where we do email marketing and webinars, we've created this barrier that we don't realize is there that guess what, when you convert at 3%, you're like 3% of people join my program. This is amazing. You're shrugging off this fact because you don't have to look it in the eye. Right. People out of every hundred said no. Right. But yeah. they didn't pay it to you. You didn't hear it. They didn't send you an email. So like it didn't happen. Right. And you just have to realize you're going to be accepted or rejected no matter how you market. Uh, and so you just got to be okay with that. And I mean, Facebook ads help you build that thick skin oh, for, for sure. sure. For sure. The comments I've gotten. Oh my gosh. Like one person, this is, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Cause if I said it exactly how they said it, we'll get in trouble. <laughs> Might block your video on Facebook. But basically somebody was like, you are worse than a criminal. You are a terrible person. Yeah. The world needs to see less of you. I mean, the comments that you get oh are crazy. Gosh. And it's like, but what does that really have to do with me? This guy who's never met me before, doesn't really know me, is like spewing anger on my Facebook ad. It really says more about him than it does about me. He doesn't even know me. Right. right? So it's like, you've just got to, you will develop that thick skin in the, in the marketing game because 
there is going to be that person who writes the email back and says, why would you sell this to me? I'm not interested. There is going to be that person who's like, I unsubscribed four years ago and you're still emailing me. And you're like, no, you didn't, but that's fine. Sure. You know, it's it's going to happen. But for all of those, you also get emails from people who are like, this was a game changer. Thank you so much. I really mm. appreciate your help. And that's what you have to lean into. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, one thing that has been helpful for me and the team is to just be aware of that positive feedback when it comes and even creating content around that. Because now it's like, hey, no matter what the comments say to this post, the post is pointing to a five-star review that we got or a really happy client or whatever. And and that's helpful. I want to end talking about something that maybe you didn't see coming, but I I know you can speak to. And again, there's no right or wrong answer to this. But I do think it's interesting how people, especially in the business world, are coming to different conclusions around when I'm not wearing my business owner hat, how am I on social media if I'm on? Mm. I've really just loved and been refreshed by like your own private, personal like Facebook profile. <laughs> C- can you speak at all to the philosophy that you developed around just like how your... Yeah. How you're behaving on that organic (laughs) profile page. You know, anytime I'm online, I really am operating through a lens of like a persona, right? People who know me in real life, like I'm, and and I I should step back for a second. I've never been told, and I've met a lot of people having done this for so many years, that like, you're totally different than what I would would expect online. Actually, I, I tend to get the opposite. Like this is exactly like, you're very similar to how you are online, which is ultimately my goal. But at the end of the day, you're a persona. And when I'm online doing stuff on my page or my Instagram or my advertising, I'm operating through this lens of the the persona. When I'm on my Facebook profile, it really depends. I personally think of my Facebook profile as I've just built a network of business owners. So I'm going to talk business on there from time to time. But I I don't always talk business. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, here's what I had for breakfast because I'm like a basic millennial. And other times I'm like, you know, (laughs) sign up for my paid workshop. It really just depends. But what I what I think about is how do I want to show up through the lens of how people perceive me mm. when I am online? I think it's gotten a little more challenging. And I know, and I'll be totally transparent, you know, with all, like, everything is a cause now. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It just mm. is the, I don't want to use any of the buzzwords. So I don't need to do that. <laughs> sure. You know, what's going on right now with, with, with everything in the world? And yep. What's going on overseas and what's going on locally? And it's like, I got to a point where I talked to a good friend of mine who's really big in activism. And she was like, you know, here's the reality. You can post whatever you want, but if you don't have the beliefs or the gumption behind that, what's the point? Mm. And so what you will find is that sometimes I speak on stuff that it matters to me. And it's not that other stuff doesn't matter. It's that you can't, in my opinion, stand for everything. Right. Mm. So it's like, I feel like we, especially in this bubble have gotten sucked into, and maybe I'll get some negative feedback for this, but this bubble of like being a keyboard warrior activism. Oh, well I shared it from Instagram and I said something about it and I said how terrible this is. So like, I'm a good person. Like we've started equating the value of a person to what they post. And it's like both sides, right? If you completely disagree with somebody, like 12 months ago, people didn't post some of the stuff that they believed because they would just judge them for it on both sides. Yeah. And now we've kind of taken to this thing where it's like who somebody is fundamentally is based on their personal beliefs. And yeah. the reality is there's people out there not talking about it that you would fundamentally disagree with it. There's people who are talking about it where if you had a conversation offline, you'd be like, this is not the person online who's posting all this stuff. I don't know if this is the direction that you meant, but I think for me, the big thing is if I'm going to post something, I want to be educated on it. 
want to be able to yeah. stand behind it. And I don't want to be doing it because I feel like I need to do it to stay relevant, present, or approved. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening right now um, politically. And I, again, I don't want to use any specific words. You guys can <laughs> interpret what that means because Facebook has been really fun lately. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of interesting stuff to go on politically. And I haven't commented on a lot of it recently. And like in the last week, there's been some big stuff and I haven't commented on it because I'm moving, because yeah. I woke up with a migraine yesterday and slept in all day, because I'm busy furnishing the house. And I'm not educated on what's happening. So I can go take at world news now and repost it on my instagram but that's doing it to appease other people not to be educated right and for me that is more important and if somebody's going to be like well you never said anything about this okay you're right i didn't but does saying something actually influence change generally not because i always jokingly say you know offline i've never said this online but i will today i always say like you know no one has ever come to someone's profile and been like, oh my gosh, that meme or that post was so influential that I changed all my worldviews. I'm so glad mm -hmm. Jessica posted this meme because now I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Yep. It just doesn't happen. And it's not because your, your voice doesn't matter. It's not important. It's because the way the algorithm works, you're generally only seeing people who agree with you most of the time. Like if you really analyze your Facebook algorithm, there's always that one or two crazy person. It's generally somebody that you've commented on in disagreement you visited your, their page multiple times because you're like, what are they going to say today? Or they're your family. Yeah. Right. And that's how the algorithm works. So when you put these big, loud, boisterous noises out into the void, sans having hundreds of thousands of followers, most people aren't even like, are like, yeah, I agree with you. So what's the point? So my thing is like, is yelling into a void of sameness really going to change anything? No. Is having a voice and telling your audience what you stand for when you haven't for a while an okay thing to do? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not going to run around and try to make people feel the way that I feel with my profile because it's ultimately a losing game. And most people that I know agree with it. And the way that I show up in my life and the way that I present my content, the way that I present myself, that really influences people. Like perfect example. I posted for Pride Month. My, my partner and I don't really post on Facebook. It's something we talked about early on, I don't like putting my relationship on the internet. It's just a yeah. personal choice. I always jokingly say the happier somebody is online, <laughs> the more miserable they are in real life. No offense to anybody. It's just, it's just a joke we make. But, you know, for, for Pride, I did post something. And I lost followers and people unfollowed me, right? Yeah. That's okay. Right. But that's something that is personal to me. It's important to me. It felt relevant to share um, yeah. because I, I have had people come to me saying, like, I don't know if I can work with you because X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's okay. Mm. Probably not a mutually good fit. I joined a coaching program where the guy running the program, we got a weekly email digest and it was just devolving into like such political conversation that I was like, look, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I, we don't even have to have the same views. However, the other thing I will encourage you to think about is why are people following you? Mm. So if they're following you because you created leadership in your space and you were a voice and you have a, a diverse audience, speak up on things, Right. But if people yeah. are following you with no context, you never post about politics and you start tomorrow and you lose followers over it, you can't be like, I can't believe this. Right. Um, right. And I know this is a really high level, almost esoteric conversation, but I just think, you know, for me, it's more important to show up authentically as I am on, yeah. on the internet. And sometimes that's pictures of my dog. And sometimes that is my latest Facebook ads workshop. And it doesn't have to be extreme one way or the other. And the other thing that I always say, this is the last thing, and then I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, You're good. The other thing I say is like, look, you know, like perfect example, Simone Biles 
quit the Olympics. Um, didn't quit the Olympics. It's a terrible way to put it. She stepped <laughs> out of one of her, um, one of her, you tell I'm like super sporty, one of her trials. I'm the same way. I get it. But anyway, like, and for two days, everything was about that. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Totally. Like I personally was like, Hey, whatever. Cool. Respect your decision. But what's funny is like how many people are like, I'm going to share this article and I'm going to talk about how this ties into business. And it's like, we've almost been conditioned and this used to work like five years ago where if we just latch on to like a really big trend that people will like, like us and engage with us. And yeah, you know, then they'll be like, Oh my gosh, rah, rah, rah. You're so right. Or, Oh no, you're so wrong. And either way you get that dopamine hit of the new comments. And so you start saying the same thing that everyone else is saying with some stuff that's going on in politics. I probably saw the exact same Instagram post in like 20 people's stories last night. Again, is it important? Yeah. Does it matter? Absolutely. Sure. It's important to be educated. But at what point are you educating? And at what point are you just regurgitating the other stuff that people are already saying? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like there, there's a difference between leadership and just wanting to check off a box. Exactly. Because other people are doing it too. Exactly. That's, no, this is great. And I'm asking, again, this is this is going into, let's pick the smart business brain of Zach Buckler. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever reached out to you because it's happened to me before where people are just like, hey, I know that we're at the end of, you know, this themed month. Just wanted to check in. Did you post about it yet? Yeah, I have had people do that to me. What has your response been? Because I think <sighs> that... You know, people can, it can be nice to think ahead of time, okay, if I get something like this so that I don't freak out or deal with trying to figure out how to respond to that. Um, yeah. And again, there's no right or wrong way, but I'd, I'd love to, to yeah. know how you react. You know, I have had people do that. And some months I've been like, hey, it's right here. I did comment on it. Sure. Right? Um, and other times I haven't. And I just tell people like, hey, you know what? I am not educated enough on the issue at this point to feel qualified to make a post. Hmm. Um, I think it's as simple as that. And I think you can, th this is the thing, right? Is it actually leadership if you're doing it to appease somebody? Yeah. That's the way I like to think of it. Well, and if someone is reaching out to you, I think it's, it's one thing if someone who's following you because they see you as a leader in this space exactly. and they want to hear what your opinion is and they're, they're looking to you to help shape their own perspective that's one thing. But if it's just somebody who has, for example, built a relationship with you over time, feels like they have similar values and are looking for just their supporters to be vocal, that's a different kind of an expectation. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting someone to share your values, right? Yeah. And I actually did a post on this and I was really intrigued by by the mixed responses. I, you know, I said, like, it's okay to learn with from somebody who has slightly different values than you. I remember it's, this post. I really liked it. And, and what I found, like, what a lot of people were saying is that I don't mind having different values. What I don't care for is two things. One, when someone forces their values on me. Or two, when the values are not in alignment with who that person was before I paid them. Mm. And here, this is what it comes down to. Like, if a cause really matters to you, talk about it, yeah. right? And it's not to say that causes don't matter, but it's like, you know, you can't be, I can't be on the internet every day being like, here's how I feel about this in the news. And here's how I feel about this in social issues. Yeah. Here's how I feel about this new law. Like, but if that is important to you, you can absolutely share it. I have certain issues that are important to me. I talk about them. I've shared about them. I've shared news articles. I've shared personal stuff, but I'm not going to run around and pretend like I am, you know, the poster child for every cause in the world 10 times over just to make people feel like I'm socially involved. 
because guess what? There are, and I, I know I'm going to take some heat for this, but there are people out there who just don't care. And totally. Still work with you. Well, and if and it's helpful for it, go ahead. I, I'm glad that we're going here because I'm, I'm confident that someone who is watching live or on the replay or listening to the podcast, this is going to resonate. I say that because I've, I've struggled with this kind of a, a dance before, and it reminds me that I have one lawyer friend in particular. He's got a PR background. He loves kind of like the Twitter side of social media. And he's really big into every day, at least once a week, figuring out one current event, connecting it to what he does as a lawyer, and kind of staying on the news in that way. Yeah. And his whole personality is very much, I enjoy doing this, and it's a strategy that works, so put them together. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of lawyers who he coach and mentor fall out of that kind of a stay in the news type of a strategy just because they're not, they don't have that built in PR Twitter mindset that energizes them. And that's totally okay. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like, look, you know, it's funny because if you look at my Instagram following, like (laughs) I've now opened a can of worms, but I don't really follow a lot of business people, you know, some Mm. sure, but it's mostly like meme pages, funny pages, social issue pages. That's more my speed. And it's for two reasons. One, I'm not anti following business people on Instagram. I actually do follow a few people on Instagram, but I'm, it's like, it's, it's still a social platform. So if I try to yeah. pigeonhole myself into like, oh, I'm just going to follow people in my industry, or I'm just going to engage in this way, then I'm not, I don't get to be social on the platform, right? right? And it's funny because, you know, we don't, I think more people are like me than talk about it. Because I can see like, when you go through Instagram, it'll be like, so-and-so liked this post. And I'll be like on the Explorer feed or, you know, on a meme page. And I could be like, so-and-so liked this. Um, and I've talked to really successful business owners who have like sent me like funny meme pages, right? But like, we're so convinced that like we have to present a certain way online. I think the people that are posturing it, and this is nobody in particular, I just, sure. I mean, I think we've all seen it, where they're posturing some sort of issue, social, political, non political, you know, medical, whatever. And they're kind of postured to this point where it's like, are you doing this because it's important to you? Or are you doing this because you feel like you should, because then people will agree with you. And if people will agree with you, they'll pay you. And ultimately you're leveraging something that has nothing to do with your business just to make money. Yeah. And, right? and if that's yeah. the case, Zach can probably help you come up with a, a marketing strategy. That's way more a to B yeah. <laughs> than that. Zach, you, I mean, I'm so grateful to have you on here and I love the direction that this conversation went. For anybody who is is just really liking the vibe of Zach, wants to learn more, especially in the realm of things like Facebook ads, well, what's the best next step for people right now? Because I know you've, you're doing a lot yeah. of things. Best next step. So there's there's two. If you're like running Facebook ads for a digital business and you want additional support, if you go to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash ultimate. We have a 50-page guide that walks you through how to set up ads for your launch. No cost. You can opt in. If you want to go a little deeper, we have like the, I call it the visual version of the guide. You go to launching.heartsoulhustle.com. It's a $37, two and a half hour workshop, a couple updates on iOS 14 that will walk you through how to run those ads in real time. So those are probably the two best ways. And then I am on Instagram at heartsoulhustle and you can always come connect with me there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Zach. We'll get those links in the comments of the Facebook video and in the show notes of the podcast as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll see you next time. 
All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn